Welcome to the Made Possible by Podcast, where we have conversations around good with community-minded individuals. We hope that today's episode inspires you to go out and do good. Hello, everyone, and thank you again for joining us for another conversation around good. This is Tracy Zerden with Made Possible by, and our goal, our purpose, our existence in life is to make good loud in our world. We love to highlight businesses that are doing great things in their communities. And we love to make their good loud. And today we're doing something a little bit different. Usually, like I said, we talk to businesses. Today we're talking to an individual. You're our first like one-on-one guy, Corey. I'm honored by that. You should be because it's you're a rare individual we're going to focus on what Corey. this is Corey white i'm sorry i'll give you more backup on Corey. um but Corey does a lot of things on his own he doesn't um, need to be a part of a company to be doing good things he just finds good things and makes it happen on his own so let me tell you a little bit about Corey white Corey, Corey and I, I actually met because we went to the same university not at the same time it's quite a bit younger than me um, but I had my CU Colorado hat on, and that's a rare thing in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, the first time we met, I was like, who, who's wearing my colors? Wait a minute, yeah. wait the a minute. CU hat in Oklahoma Woo-hoo. in Sooner Country, the Buffaloes in Sooner Country. That's right, go Buffs. <laughs> so Corey is a graduate of the University of Colorado. He was a journalist in Wyoming. I want to hear more about that. Um, currently, he's a partner and senior vice president at Future Point of View. There, he is tasked with helping leaders look into the future and anticipate how technology will impact their organizations and themselves. Which that's kind of a scary thing. I always think, um, is it Skytech in um, Terminator? Oh, oh yeah, the, yeah, the Terminator. <laughs> you know, that's uh, escaping me too. But yeah, the is yeah, it Skytech? Skytech. I don't know. That yeah, might be the wrong yeah, word. The, but the system there. Yeah. Yes. Terminator. Cyber. No, it's something. I yeah, don't know. we're. Uh, we're not quite there yet. Not quite there, yes. So Corey often speaks to audiences around the topics of algorithmic say it right. Say algorithmic bias. Algor- there you go. I can't even do that. Um, online extremism, data privacy, cybersecurity awareness, and partnering in the digital age. Oh, par- excuse me, parenting in the digital age. That's a scary topic right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really scary topic. I, it's an important one, though. It is very important. Uh, Corey has been tapped to speak at TEDx. Uh, he's a great speaker. He's also one of my, well, really, he's my speaking coach. So if you need if you need to go do some public speaking, he's a good guy to talk to. So let me tell you a little bit about how Corey gives back into his communities. He's active and passionate about several causes, uh, criminal justice reform, social equality, mental health awareness. He serves on the board at Oklahoma Messages Project, which I'm excited to hear more about. Uh, he helps to connect children with their incarcerated parents. Corey is a founding member of the Young Professionals Board at A Chance to Change, a mental health and addiction recovery center. He's also a contributing member of the Strong Together, which is devoted to racial reconciliation. Very important, um, especially in 2020, but it's been important forever. Um, and he is the organizer of the Bridge Conference, so we'll talk more about that. And he's also part of this year's, right? This year's Salt and Light Leadership Training? Uh, no, I, I, I just help out with their uh, mentorship program, but Salt and Light is a uh, Christian leader program connecting, uh, kind of developing Christian leaders in, in different spheres of influence and, and connecting them so they can promote um, 
you know, uh, uh, do good and, and improve the community here in Oklahoma City uh, yeah. through a Christian worldview. Yeah. Okay. That's great. That's with the um, the Green family, right? Uh, they, uh, yeah, they've helped out. Yeah. Uh, it's actually West Lane is oh, the, West, the yeah, founder. That's right. Um, yeah, but uh, the Greens, I believe, uh, one or two have been through it, but they're they're wonderful. Uh, we're helping out with, uh, you know, they let us they've u- let us use their buildings and stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, in the past, they're very generous with their things. So I've listed, you know, some of your highlights, but give us a ninety second snapshot of you, uh, like. I mean, that's kind of the big picture, but, you know, give us the the nitty gritty. And what has been your biggest COVID pivot? Well, uh, my uh, my biggest COVID pivot, I haven't had it a ton. I guess I'll start with that. Um, you know, I haven't, I've been uh, very blessed in that I haven't had a lot of issues with COVID in my work. Um, I haven't, you know, it, I, I haven't had to we were pretty much working remotely was pretty easy for us because I just if I have a laptop and Wi-Fi I can work um, and you know so um, didn't have really issues with that my biggest uh, probably um, I call it uh, despair of COVID was having TEDx canceled you yes. know, in April uh, so you know in, in in the scheme of COVID related despairs that's pretty pretty minor yeah. uh but i would say my covid pivot uh was that i got puppies i was just gonna say you got some uh covid pets yeah yeah like a lot Multiples. of people i got i ended up getting covid pets i'm a yes. single guy so i've got uh, uh two dachshund mixes uh-huh. um which have really changed uh at least at least made my life a little i went from zero responsibility <laughs> outside of work to to a fair amount of responsibility why anybody would add more responsibility in their life is beyond me but you know yeah you know you, you have to keep other things alive now yeah yeah which is uh not my strong suit <laughs> <laughs> they're alive so far <laughs> no they're still living there yeah i'm i'm kidding um well my uh, my 90 second story is i grew up in uh, Colorado, uh, South Denver, went to uh, Cherry Creek High School, and as you said, uh, kind of an affluent suburb of, uh, of Denver, and um, I went to Colorado Boulder, studied journalism there. Uh, yep, it was a CU Buffalo, shoulder to shoulder. I uh, got, to, go. got to be on a lot of field for those football games, uh, which was covered. You got to be buffaloes. on the field because of journalism? Or yeah, why? yeah I, was, I was on the field. Yeah, nice. I, was, I was actually on the field. My, my greatest college on the field moment, I think was and it was bad for Colorado but I was at the uh I traveled to the University of Texas and was on the field watching Vince Young uh just torch the Buffaloes oh, for like six touchdowns that happens unbelievable athlete Vince Young yeah um, yeah it was a tough game for Buffs fans but yes. man watching him play was oh yeah was just incredible it was exciting we have the best mascot I always have to oh Ra- about Ralphie that. yeah He's of course just the best. Yeah. and then Chip you throw Chip in there too yeah. he's pretty cool yeah, but yeah, Ralphie is far and away the, yes. the best live mascot he in is. sports, I think. He is. Uh, so I, I graduated from Boulder and then uh, with that journalism degree and, and then ended up getting a job at the uh, ABC affiliate in Casper, Wyoming as a television sports reporter and anchor. And I was out there for four years uh, just covering Wyoming sports out there. Had a great time. Um, and, but then, uh, you know, got out of journalism, kind of drifted a little bit. I was in Texas, uh, ended up at a small town in Texas. Uh, my parents at the time had moved to Texas. So I was, uh, with them and worked a little bit in Texas and then got an opportunity, uh, to come up to work with uh, future point of view. And I've really enjoyed it. Never thought I would end up in Oklahoma city. It's not something I would have ever imagined, 
but the community has just welcomed me. It is such a wonderful place, and I've really enjoyed it. That's what we said when we first moved here. We came here for OUCU football game, mm-hmm. went to church with some friends the next day, and this man asked my husband, Mike, to stay another day and do a job interview. And, and he just went in his regular, and we didn't have a suit. You know, we just came for a football game. And uh, they, he ended up with a job offer, and I came kicking and screaming. Like, what are we, what? I'm a Boulder girl. And no, maybe, there's no mountains. In oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was flat. It's cold. The winter, I was expecting it to be warmer in the winter, but the winds here are bad. But that all that being said, we love Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. He's had several oppor- op- job opportunities to move back and Boulder will always be home to me. We have family there. We still go. My husband's there right now. But Oklahoma, you can't beat the people. Yeah, and that's what I always hear. And I, I mean, I'll echo that statement is that what makes Oklahoma is, is the people. Mm-hmm. And, and that, you know, that Oklahoma strong is real, a real thing. It is. And it that, is. that people look out for each other mm-hmm. here. And it, it, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. It is. So if you're anywhere else other than Oklahoma and you're looking for a place to relocate, we have affordable housing. Gas is less expensive here, and we have wonderful people. Mm-hmm. And we have at sports teams now. We have the Thunder, and, you know, downtown has been remodeled, and yeah. we're just moving up in the world. Come on out and check it out. And Oklahoma City's you. great, and Tulsa's great, too. Tulsa's yeah, that's also. True. That's and, true. I mean, those are just the two, you know, big cities, mm-hmm. obviously. We're here in Guthrie, America, yes, and that it, is a wonderful community It doesn't as well. get better than Guthrie, America. I'm just going to say that. So, But that's what I always say, so that's okay. Okay, so I, I didn't know your transition to Wyoming but cold in Wyoming, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean that, and covering sports, you're outside a lot. I was, yeah. I was, um, you know, and doing that drive, uh, I was, I was in Casper, which is about two hours north of Laramie, which is where the University of Wyoming is. So I did that drive uh-huh. nine months out of the year, at least once a week, uh, between Casper and Laramie. And, uh, you know, you would, you would go and you could go the entire two hour drive and maybe see one car. You would pass through one town, uh, Medicine Bell, which is about uh, uh, one one stop sign. And uh, the they had a real famous Virginian hotel there, real historic hotel. And that was the town. <laughs> it was a hotel. That is it. I'll, I'll never forget one time I was in the station car driving back late one night and I hit a deer. Oh. No cell phone service. No cell phone. And I'm, I'm they had the, the car, well, I couldn't drive the car. And in rolls uh, Justin Johnson, who is a, a real famous rodeo guy. He and his family, and they pick me up, and Justin drops his family off at their ranch a half hour outside of Casper, then drives me into Casper, and even beforehand, you know, put the deer out of his misery as well because this is a true cowboy Um, who knows who knows about those things Mm -hmm. and so i just casper much like oklahoma uh was very in that way of people looking out for each other wonderful people down to earth Mm -hmm. and uh, i did get to to do a lot of rodeo coverage which was kind of fun as well yeah that's a different kind you don't when you think of a sports reporter you don't necessarily think rodeo coverage, yeah. you know, yeah. so, but and in you, Wyoming, you're going to, especially Casper. Uh-huh. And I mean, you would, you would cover these guys. And then, and then like a, a month later, they would be at the, on ESPN and the NFR at the time and the NFR was on ESPN and it was, it was kind of wild. And these, these are guys from like small towns in Wyoming and mm-hmm. you're, and you know them and they're, they're ending up, you know, the, the world peak of rodeo, which is, which is kind of neat. Cause you don't get really get that unless you're, 
you know, you cover the Dallas Cowboys or you're in a major market. Yeah. And Casper is, was market, I think, 198 of like 213 in the country. <laughs> it was one of the, definitely one of the smaller yes. uh, television markets yes. in the country. Okay. So you cut your teeth in Wyoming and mm-hmm. then you ended up in Texas. So yes. you just kind of have your fill of journalism and just wanted to try something different? Uh, or... You know, it was, yeah, it, it, it honestly was just, um, it's a tough, it's a tough industry, changing industry. And uh, yeah, I just, um, I, I think I got burnt out mm-hmm. from it, um, which you really have to have a passion to do it. And I have, still have friends who do it. Uh, and you just have to be so passionate about it. It needs to become your life. You think about it. I went from Colorado to, you know, they dive bomb you into a place you don't know anybody. And you're 20, 21 years old. You're a young person. You're going to make mistakes. You're, but, you're, you know, you're going to do those things um, because you're young. But you're also, um, you know, you're you're in the community and, uh, you know, you're on TV and they're working you really hard and you're not making you know, to be completely frank. You're not you know, you're really not making very much money. And so, you know, it's a it's a tough industry. But it, but the people who are doing it, I, I have the utmost respect for mm-hmm. I and and I it is so necessary. Local journalism right now, we need it more than ever mm-hmm. when you look at people getting their news from their facebook friends mm-hmm. it is so critical for us to have local good local journalism mm-hmm. right now and i wish we would make more of an investment in making sure that communities in this country mm-hmm. have good local journalism i'm telling you it's we our local guy here in guthrie i tell him all the time i trust you yeah. So I need to know that you're doing the work. Yeah, and, and we should, he deserves, I mean, and I don't know what, you know, his, we, he, he deserves to have that backup, yeah. you know, that to be able to afford, to be able to do that work, yeah. you know, and not, and not starve. Mm-hmm. And not saying I was starving, but I'm saying him. Yeah. And, and generally it's harder and harder today uh, to make a living as a, a local journalist. Mm-hmm. And that pipeline of, of working your way up the traditional pipeline of I go from market 193 to market, uh, you know, 100 to 65 to four to three is just, it's, it's eroding Mm -hmm. at this point. And so, uh, you know, but we need it and we need, we need, we need journalists who are going to stay. That's what local and that, that's where that, you know, market jump is you have to jump to jump to jump to jump to make it. Mm -hmm. We need people who local journalists who get into a community and stay 20, 30 years and make those connections Mm -hmm. and, and, and make those, you know, build up those sources and build up that trust Mm -hmm. that you talked about with Mm -hmm. the community that when, when they break a story that, you know, there's a local politician who's swindling money uh, and, and that local politician yells fake news that that journalist could say, no, here's, here's what I know. And, and that, and people will trust that part. I mean, Mm -hmm. we need, it's, it's, it is the it is the fourth rail of democracy, and hmm. so we need it. Look at you! I love it. I love it. You're passionate about that. Yeah, I know. I, I think journalism. I really am at this point is of yeah. good local journalism. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. Okay, so we're we're rooting for you, all you local journalists out there. Yeah. Corey is your advocate for sure. So tell us about. Um, you do lots of things. Um, I've mainly heard from you about messages projects. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I think it's a really cool thing. I got to go to one of the events that you hosted um, and hear more about it. And it's unique because I don't think people even really necessarily think of this issue yeah. as even being an issue because they don't know it's an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the Oklahoma Messages Project is is a really unique project. And what it is is they, they go into prisons 
uh, and they film the prisoners reading to their kids. And then they send this DVD and the book to the kids. So the kids have the DVD of the parents reading to the kids. They, they get a nice note from the parent. The parent can write a note to their kids. And then, and then they have the book. So they can read alongside the parent as, as a kid. And when you think of a child, a lot of these children have zero contact with their parents because their parents are incarcerated in a, in a town or in a prison far, far away. And it's too far away for a caregiver who often the caregiver is the grandparent. Mm -hmm. It's too far for that grandparent to drive uh, the child to to see their parents. So they have zero contact with their parent. And so this in many ways is the only way that that child has contact uh, with the parent. Mm -hmm. And children of incarcerated parents, studies have shown, are six times more likely to end up in prison mm -hmm. than those who do not have incarcerated parents. So this, this is shown to help break that cycle of incarceration. And it's also shown uh, to increase literacy, boost literacy in kids. And uh, boost happiness and boost those bonds between the children and their parents and really give parents a sense of the outside world. Give the parents who are incarcerated, and that's something you don't think about, give them hope in that I still have something to live for when I'm in prison. Mm. I, can, I can work to get better. I can work to better myself because when I get out, I want to have that relationship with my child. Mm -hmm. And so all of those things is is just so important. And, you know, we, we hear stories of like these kids who go to school and, and, and the other kids make fun of them because mm -hmm. they're like, oh, your mom, and dad, you don't have a mom or you don't have a dad. And these kids can take the DVD to school and pop it in the DVD player and say, that's my mom and that's my dad. And look, they love me. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it, it makes such a difference in these kids' lives. That's powerful. I yeah. mean, that really is. Mm -hmm. It's even before COVID, it's hard to visit someone in prison. I mean, there's a lot of loops you have to go through, not just it being far away. It's hard to get an appointment. It's hard to do that. It's hard to make phone calls. And so having that, something that they can read every night. I know at the event, this boy talked about the fact that he, he would watch it every night, every night. It was, it was his mom reading to him. And it was how he stayed connected with her. But then she said when she was filming it, one, like you said, it gave her hope that she know, she knew she was connecting with her child. So when they got out of jail, she wouldn't be a foreign face, you know, to him. But it also made her feel like a movie star. You know, that she felt valued. She felt important. You know, she's on camera. And it's just people are important. Yeah. I mean, you, you cannot... We, we as a society, and it's, it, it is morally corrupt that we, we, we go in and we put these, these people in prison, we throw away the key, mm -hmm. you know, and for nonviolent offenses. So often we, we put people in prison who don't need to be in prison when they have issues that could be solved in other ways, whether it's through, uh, you know, mental health treatment or whether it's through drug and alcohol or addiction treatment. And it, it would save us money and it would make their lives better and it would end this cycle of incarceration. Oklahoma has the highest incarceration in the world. It has crazy? higher incarceration rates than third world countries. Yeah. It has the highest female incarceration rate mm -hmm. in the country. It It is, you know, and, and that is just 
it's a systemic issue of this country. It's not just Oklahoma. Uh, we've, we've got a problem here. We need to solve it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate your heart for that and helping these families stay connected. And is a chance to change? Is that similar? Well, a chance to change. I got involved and maybe I should, I should back up here and I should, um, uh, you know, when I, uh, how I got to future point of view was actually an interesting story. And when you talk about um, building community, uh, a, a friend of mine, Matt Stafford, uh, was a, he was at working with me in Casper, and uh, he was a news anchor, and and I was in sports, and you know we remained friends. When he 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 did some work other elsewhere, some journalism work, uh, but he was from Oklahoma City. I was drifting in uh, Texas, and he he got out of journalism as well, moved back to Oklahoma City. And ended up at this company called Future Point of View. Just randomly fell into it, and he um, uh, he he told me he said it's such a great company to work for. It's such a wonderful place. Uh, he knew I was really kind of struggling, trying to find what I, my next step was going to be. He said, "When you when you get when we get an opening, when we get a chance, we're going to bring you up here because you're going to love this company and you're going to excel at this company." Mm. And so they had an opening, and they brought me up. And so you talk about the value of community. Matt also started this young professionals board at a chance to change. And he brought me on. And, um, you know, for me, uh, you know, a, mental health and addiction is important. And we talk about reasons why things are important for me. Uh, my mother uh, was a recovering alcoholic when I was young. She was uh, she was an alcoholic, but she got sober and spent the last, over the last 25 years of her life sober. And I was able to have a relationship with her uh, because of it. And it just changed her life, going through those steps and working those steps and being able, not only that, but she, I saw her heart as that, you know, she was, after she got clean and sober, she became a sponsor and an addiction counselor. And, and so the, the, the impact she made on other people's lives, I saw that. And so for me, uh, joining something like A Chance to Change was important uh, because of that. But it's such a great organization as well in that, you know, they go in and they, you know, they help people. And not just uh, with addiction, but also with uh, mental health and behavioral health issues. Um, and, and it ties along with, like I said, with things like the Oklahoma Messages Project, in, in that, you know, there are better ways for us to deal with criminal justice. And, and we need that criminal justice reform. And one way is to, to work on the way we, we deal with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Will you tell us, and I meant to ask this when we were talking about Messages Project, if somebody wants to get involved, what's the best way to find Messages Project or reach out to you? Or I, I believe the website is mo- oklahomamessagesproject.org. Uh, but yeah, you can, you can always um, reach out to me. I can... Uh, I guess I can I share my email address. I think that's probably safe. It's Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, uh, at FPOV.com. C-O-R-E-Y at FPOV.com. You can always email me. But uh, Cherry Fuller out there, she is amazing. Um, the, her heart, she started the project. She was the founder. Um, and she just does such a great job with uh, organizing everything and organizing those volunteers her and her husband Holmes do do a wonderful job out there. So you can always reach out to Cherry as well. 
What about Chance to Change if somebody wanted to get involved? Uh, Janina Bella, uh, the Chance to Change, you can just Google it. I'm, okay. I don't have the website in front of me. It may be a chance to change.org, but uh, Janine Bella over there as well. She's, uh, she, she's the um, CEO over there, and she does a great job. Okay. What, so tell me about the bridge project. Is that part of a chance of change? No, no, those are those are separate. Things. Oh, that's stronger together. Yeah, Sorry, stronger you, you together. have too many. Things uh, yeah, I know. I, I, yeah, <laughs> stronger together was um, something I got involved with with uh, salt actually, and so I can maybe uh, step ahead and tell what salt is. I okay. mentioned what salt is: salt and light leadership training, which is I was, um, and I should back up because I should mention again with community. Uh, you know, my bosses at, at Future Point of View are, are Scott and Annette Klazowski. Uh Such wonderful people. I mean, just, I could not ask uh, for better people to run our company. Their heart for service, their generosity, uh, their kindness and their warmth and their their ability to let me grow and to mature me as, as an employee and as a man mm-hmm. and as a, as a, as a community person, mm-hmm. as somebody who can get back to the community. Mm-hmm. I have been, I have been so incredibly blessed by that, but Annette recommended me for salt because she had gone through salt and, and, and I got into salt and this was early in, um, when I had first moved to Oklahoma, you know, a couple of years in and, uh, you know, and it's, it's a great program run by West Lane. And it, it takes Christian leaders, young, well, they've got two programs, the two tracks, you know, they've got emer- what they call now emerging leaders. And then, uh, I, I'm not sure the term, something's, you know, established leaders. Old maybe. boys. Yeah, <laughs> more established <laughs> leaders. Uh, I went through the emerging leaders track. Um, and, and it's a great opportunity to get people connected, not only to learn what a Christian worldview is, which is so different. I love Wes, and I love many of the things Wes says, but he says Christians are so often known for what they're against, mm. not what they're for. Mm. And we as Christians need to, to tell people what we're for, not what we're against. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love that because it just opened to my eyes to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and going through the program did that. And it also opened me to this world of opportunities. I had an amazing mentor uh, in Chris Brewster, who is the superintendent at Santa Fe South Schools, uh, which is a predominantly Hispanic uh, school district, uh, charter school district in South Oklahoma City. Most of his students are uh, all of them will be first generation college students. Most of them are first generation, you know, high school stu- graduates. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, just getting an opportunity to to be mentored by him. But then I, you know, I you 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 get an opportunity to decide. You know, what do you want to get involved in? You can get involved in nothing if you want to get involved in nothing. But I, I, I ended up attending the Bridge Conference for the first time, and I was just blown away by Clarence Hill. Uh, and what Clarence has done is he has established this this conference, and he, Stronger Together does other thing, other things. But this Bridge Conference, it, its mission is to bring people of different walks of life and put them in a room together, whether it's different races, different political affiliations, different socioeconomic statuses, and put them in a room together and allow them to have civil conversations about what it's like and what their journey has been like. And I, 
after attending that first bridge conference, I think it was it was the second bridge conference, my first bridge conference. I just I knew I wanted to get involved. And what I've, I've done is just, you know, work on the conference. I've had an opportunity to speak about algorithmic bias, which is an important thing to me in how we can use technology. Um, now, how, you know, technology can cause inequality, but we need to use technology to help increase equality. Mm-hmm. Uh, in many ways, it's the opposite. Sometimes technology can increase inequality. So that's uh, important for me. So I got to talk there, but just getting, you know, to, to help uh, work uh, with a wonderful team of people to help uh, do the bridge conference every year. We, we had to uh, postpone it this year because of COVID. Um, you know, but Clarence, um, you know, is still doing things and, and we're still growing and, 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 and helping increase that conversation in, in such an important, critical conversation right now as we how do we how do we connect people in a way that is civil? Right. Uh-huh. In, in, in the age of social media where we all just want to yell at each other, I like to say that you're never going to change somebody's mind on social media. Mm-hmm. Social media is a battleground, mm-hmm. and you don't change uh, minds on a battleground. You change minds at the dinner table, mm-hmm. and that's why we need to bring people to the dinner table. That's profound. Is that you? You, you, you just I, said, <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Look at yeah, you, yeah. Corey. Oh, my yeah, goodness. I'm trying to copyright that. You, you should write that yeah, down. Yeah. We change people's minds at the dinner table. I like that. Yeah. So especially, you know, it's an election year. If, I don't know when you're listening to this, but this is 2020 election year. It's probably been the ugliest, I mean, that I know of. I'm, there might have been some. I don't know. Yeah, of modern history. Yeah, I mean, for you, sure. you can look in there, yeah, different periods. And we all, obviously, you know, we all kind of get a little sense of hyperbole, you know, mm-hmm. because we're living through it. But, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at, at that first uh, presidential debate, uh, the one I believe it was in Cleveland, at Cleveland State, I— Whatever your politics are, I I think you had to weep for for our democracy when you saw that. And mm-hmm. and you know the first vice presidential debate was a little a little more civilized, uh, actually a lot more <laughs> a lot more mm-hmm. civilized, uh, and we were able to have a a, a debate about ideas, mm-hmm. and 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 that's what the American that's what we deserve mm-hmm. is leaders. Uh, and, and we need to we need to ask more from our leaders, mm-hmm. you know. And, and and we get the leaders we deserve. Mm-hmm. And and right now, I think in many ways we get we're getting the leaders we deserve. Mm-hmm. I think it's very often that I would I just want them to tell me why I should vote for you. I don't care what you think about this other person. Just tell me what makes you different, mm-hmm. you know. And stop focusing on the negative and the finger pointing. And but that's what it. Well, you, you, we live in a 140-character society right now. Um, you know, it's the soundbite world, and, and the soundbite world is not new. The, the difference is how quickly the soundbite spreads mm-hmm. and how quickly the words spread and how quickly falsehoods mm-hmm. spread today. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't debate ideas anymore. Mm-hmm. We debate, um, you know, we debate talking points mm-hmm. and we debate... Uh, polar we debate polarized ideas and we don't we're not able to come together and as a technologist I recognize a lot of that is is social media and um, and in that uh, these these algorithms are designed to to essentially to they were designed in a in a way that was necessarily designed to be bad but they were designed in a way to hook us yeah and and the way to hook us is is to 
and unintentionally, I think the designers didn't do this intentionally, but was really to, to, to feed us the things that we want to see, mm-hmm. right? And what we want to see is the things that we agree with. We want that reinforcement bias. And so these algorithms are reinforcing our bias by feeding us information that says, I'm always right. Hmm. And the truth is, none of us are always no, right. No. You know, none of us are always right. But these algorithms are stroking our ego and, um, and, and putting us in an echo chamber. And then it is driving us to polar opposites mm-hmm. in this world. And then we're finding communities of people that feel like us. Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're, we're congregating with those communities. And then when, when those communities become extreme, that's where you become you see uh, extreme behavior. Well, I, I love the concept of the bridge project because now more than ever, we need to spend time with people who don't think like us, don't look like us, don't believe the same ways we do, and find a way, just like you said, talk civilly. I mean, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday on social media about I don't have to like someone to still love someone. I mean, or to show, and I don't mean love, like, come here, give me a hug, let's, you know, whatever, like gushy love, but to still show kindness, you know, but that's a hard, it's a hard, it's hard for me. I mean, it's hard for everybody, but we have to decide to choose that. And I think the Bridge Project is a great way to do that because you have to see from somebody else's point of view. You have to walk. Uh, You you are not going to learn anything until you can walk a mile uh, in somebody's shoes. Mm Uh, and to understand what they have gone through, right? And and there's, you can put people in that room and they can they can just yell at each other too. But and that's not going to solve anything. But you know what Clarence is, what I love about Clarence Hill uh, is it is that he is he is so measured mm-hmm. in the words that he chooses and and the things how he approaches these things. Um, I tell a story in that when I was when I was pitching the the algorithmic bias speech to him that I gave a presentation, um, you know, I, 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 I wanted to call it when an algorithm is racist. And he looked at me, he goes, I love I love I love the idea. Love the idea, Corey, but you cannot use the word racist. It's a trigger word. Mm. And it was just, it hit me like a light. He is absolutely right. Because when you hear the word racist, immediately your guard comes up. You're, you're, you've got your shields up, your armor on, your phasers are set to 10, and you are not going to change somebody's heart, mm-hmm. right? You can't because then their heart is stuck. And that's how it is on social media, right? Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, we just, we tend to call each other names, but we... When you call somebody a name, you can't reach their heart, Mm-mm. right? You're not going to reach their heart. The only way you can reach somebody's heart is to sit down with a person and listen. At the dinner table. Exactly. And just listen. Just just quiet your mind and quiet, shut your mouth and open your ears. Mm-hmm. I've told my kids, well, I've heard this, everybody's heard this, that you have two ears and one mouth because you're supposed to listen twice as much. Mm-hmm. But somebody said recently that... I, you can close your mouth, but you can't close your ears. So we need to keep them open. I mean, you can not listen to somebody, but you know, yeah, yeah. the the visual picture there is we, it's it's hard though, right? 
well, we all want to jump in. Yeah. Um, you know, we want to jump into the conversation. And I'm, I'm guilty of it, too. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's a time to... There's a time to speak and there's there's a time to listen, mm-hmm. um, and and you have to find that right balance. And I struggle with it too, you know. It, when I think about social media, you know, I, I I don't engage as much in social media. And does that make me? Should I be engaging more because I am I'm missing opportunities, uh, you know, to 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 plead my case, whatever that is, or or by not engaging, am I am I am I am I not advancing this this empty dialogue Mm -hmm. and that's an internal struggle i have Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's something i wrestle with on a daily basis Mm -hmm. well like you said nobody's mind's going to be changed on social media but you don't want to abdicate your voice either Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying you want to whatever that is just speaking kindness or i don't know it's hard social media can be a hole right yeah i uh i i came up with kind of and it doesn't work in every situation uh you know but it is it um, is it kind? Is it true? And will it bring light into the world? There you go. And and that is something that I've I, I've tried to use in again I'm not always successful, but in the last few years, you know, as there are things I see in you know when it, when it comes to politics and, and other issues that I and what's happening in the world that I I get upset by. Mm-hmm. I get upset by, but but I I wonder if I'm I what I you know I the the slime you know am i just contributing to the slime by mm-hmm. just by just throwing stuff out there on social media mm-hmm. would i do better by going out there engaging with an organization like the oklahoma messages project mm-hmm. like stronger together mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. like a chance to change yourself mm-hmm. go out there and serve serve mm-hmm. get off the couch get off your phone Find your people, find your group that you can connect with and, and to give back. Yeah. So that's a great transition to tell us about Perry. Perry is a good friend of Corey that I've met a couple times. And I listened to your, you were my um, paddleboard podcast listen uh, yesterday. I listened to your advent one um, about he's in the waiting. Um, tell us about Perry. Well, I met Perry at a, at a friend's birthday party. Uh, we were hanging out at actually Rocky Patel's, uh, having scars, a bunch of guys. And, uh, uh, somebody stands up, uh, a pastor at a, at a local church, and uh, he says, uh, I, I want to introduce you to this guy. His name's Perry Lott, and he's been in prison for over 30 years for a crime he didn't commit. And immediately, I'm, a, I'm an ex-journalist, right? You don't lose that bone. Yeah. That, that when, you, when you hear a story, yeah. you're like, boom. Yeah. You know, oh my goodness, that is a story. That is. So, uh, you know, so I'm kind of cozying up to Perry. Uh, that night, you know, he's, I've got to, I've got to, you know, I've got to get to know this guy. You know, he's kind of, I joke, but he was kind of the cute girl at the, at the bar. I wanted to get to know, right? <laughs> Which I did. Trust me, Perry is, uh, he's cute, but he's not a girl. Um, but he, uh, he, um, you know, so, so I, 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 we, we talked, we talked, I got his number and I actually, you know, as a journalist, I thought about, you know, maybe doing a story on him. You know, so we sat down and I learned his story, um, did a did a long interview. Got, he introduced me uh, to his, you know, to his uh, the woman he uh, he he came to Oklahoma for. And I, maybe I should back up uh, because I'm, I'm telling the story probably in the opposite way that I should. But so I go and I, I find out. Let me tell it this way. I find out Perry's story. So I meet I meet uh, his his ex-girlfriend, the woman that brought him to Oklahoma from his childhood in Racine, Wisconsin. And he, he introduced me to his daughter. 
and he tells me his life story. And what I find out that Perry uh, was in Ada, Oklahoma in 1987, and uh, he was arrested for uh, rape, robbery, and making a bomb threat for a crime that had uh, been committed at a, at a woman's home in Ada. He was picked up, uh, brought into a lineup, and Perry has this goal too. And uh, so put in a lineup, and, and all the other, they, they put gold foil on all these other, uh, these people's uh, teeth. He was picked out of that lineup, arrested, convicted, and I haven't he convicted, and he was sentenced to over 300 years in prison, essentially on the eyewitness testimony of this victim. Spent the next 30 years in prison. Um, meanwhile, you know, his, his, his girlfriend at the time, Antoinette, um, uh, he, she, she is pregnant, so with his daughter. So he doesn't have that relationship with his daughter for 30 years. Um, until finally the Innocence Project takes up his case. And then DNA evidence uh, that proves that he, that he wasn't, he, wasn't uh, he, didn't, he didn't commit the crime. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, I believe the victim uh, later would recant. I, I believe that saying that uh, recant her, her, her testimony about him, him being, you know, it, him being the person who did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's, he's out. Um, he's built a great community. Uh, he's a wonderful guy, and he's, he's an incredibly strong Christian. And what, what Perry has taught me is just really, because I asked Perry, like, how are you not bitter? You know, all those times, all the things you lost, you know, 30 years in prison, how are you not bitter? And he's just like, I'm not hateful. I'm grateful. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm out of the dungeon. I'm out of that dungeon. And I just, to me, I just, I love being around him. He's got this, this enormous smile and uh, just a, just such an engaging personality. He walks into a room and it just lights up, it does. Um, you know, but he's, you know, he's, he's working to speak and he's actually working on a book right now about his journey and his life. Um, but, you know, if, if um, others are out there listening and, and, you know, they, you know, if you want to hear Perry's story, he would, he would, I guarantee you, he would love to share his story with you. He would love that you would talk your ear off. So yeah. you're you're welcome to reach out to me, mm-hmm. and uh, I can connect you uh, with Perry. And uh, yeah, but he's just he has opened my eyes in ways. And, and as we we talked about, is just sitting down and getting to know people who are who are out. He his journey I is so vastly different than my journey, mm-hmm. but we are. We are such good friends. I mean, we're good friends. Mm-hmm. We're brothers, mm-hmm. you know. And that's just getting down and, and and listening to people and engaging in people, and you know, and and you know, being around people and, and helping people. You know, Perry, he's got a great community of people, a great church community, um, you know. But he's he's imagine getting out of prison after thirty years and trying to navigate life. You know, trying to navigate working a computer and getting cable and you know all these things and so you need when you when you get a situation that you need people to to lean on mm-hmm. and he's got a great community of people and i'm i'm blessed that i he can lean on me but also i've i've learned so much more from perry that it's mm-hmm. i mean i've I'm, 
I have been so blessed to know him. Mm. It's, it's such a cool story when you say that he's not bitter because you would never look at him and assume that he'd spend time in jail at all, let alone 30 years for a crime he didn't commit because he's just, he, like you said, he's bright and shiny. Yeah, they always just a huge smile on his face. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, he's, he has struggles. I mean, yeah. Yeah, he has struggles like all of us, Yeah. you know, but he's obviously, he's dealt with more and, and that, that brings, that brings with it a certain amount of baggage, but what he, he, he carries it so well. Mm-hmm. He carries it so well mm-hmm. and um, he handles it so well. And he's just, I, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful to have him in my life. So talk to me about how you define community. Cause clearly you're not just talking your neighbors. You're not just talking people who look like you or think like you, you're, your picture is very broad. Tell me about what that looks like for you. Well, community is is everything. I mean, it's it is the people you're going to rely on when when things get tough. It's the people you celebrate with when things are great. But it's also the people that you know that you can call on when when you're struggling. So for a lot of people, it's like a church community, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe it is a social network. Uh, you know, but it is so important because it is the your community defines in many ways your opportunities. Mm. I have been blessed, and I told the story of, of Matt and knowing Matt. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Matt Stafford looking me up and going, you know, and going, thinking to himself, Corey would be perfect here. I'm going to get Corey up. I owe such a debt of gratitude for this life. To, to Matt and I owe a debt of gratitude to Annette for for you know inviting me for salt and I, I did loyal uh, leadership Oklahoma as well their training program which is a great training program as well I'm a I'm an alumni of that leadership Oklahoma and getting to do those things and getting connected and loyal is how I got connected to the Oklahoma messages project what I which I should have mentioned so getting those pipelines, into that those worlds where I can actually serve and be more, uh, you know, more beneficial to this community. Um, so it is everything. So I think about, you know, I, I liken it to like, uh, you know, when you think about like a Stanford, right? The value of, of going to Stanford is not the education. You do not get a vastly better education at Stanford than you and I got at the University mm-hmm. of Colorado at mm-hmm. Boulder. Sure, there are some, you know, there's some areas where that where it's a better education, but at the end of the day, you you people at Stanford don't walk out of Stanford, you know, ten times smarter than you and I. The value of Stanford is that you're building that network, that community of people. You get to know professors who can get you hooked up into the pipeline at Silicon Valley. You get to know your dorm mates and your fraternity and sorority, fraternity brothers, sorority sisters, who one of them starts a, a startup and then says, come, join my startup and you make a million, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, whatever it is, uh, just because you knew that person. Now, you know. And, and, and it, it, that's what the value of, of community cannot be underestimated. And that's why, to me, uh, when you think about Silicon Valley, right, and, and you think about Silicon Valley, at least the modern day Silicon Valley that we think of today, you know, with the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Snapchats and the Ubers w- was built by 20 something white guys. Mm-hmm. Right. And 20 something white guys, because 
that was the community of people, right? And that's 20-some white guys are finding other 20-something 20, other 20 white guys. And then we give them a bunch of money. And what do they go do? They solve the problems. We say, we give them a bunch of money. We say, go solve the world's problems. What are the world's problems they're going to solve? They're the problems the 20-something-year-old white guys have, mm-hmm. right? I, I need to hook up. I need to connect with people. Mm-hmm. I need to get a ride to the airport, and I don't want to take a taxi. Mm-hmm. They're, they're important things. They are world-changing things. Mm-hmm. But there are other issues in this world that need to be solved, and that's why it's so important to me to, to be creating diverse communities uh, because, number one, and in, in, in things like they're going to solve my more diverse issues, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In, in, let's say in, in, in a Silicon Valley, if we can, when, when it comes to things like technology, and I'm a technologist, we need diverse communities building these technologies, right? Mm-hmm. So they can be built for diverse communities. And then, like I said earlier, we don't grow if we're hanging around the same people. Mm-hmm. We don't grow if we hang around the same people we grew up with. We don't grow if, if I hang out, if I, if I hung out at in, in, in Greenwood Village, Colorado, and I had stayed, right, and hung out with my, I would have had a great life. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I would have had as rich of a life if I hadn't traveled and I hadn't sat down and I hadn't, I have been, I've spent uh, most of my adult life trying to be diligent about spending time with people who don't look like me. Mm. And I think, I think that's important. So it's, to me, it's community is, is who builds you up and it all, it also, it's who helps you grow. Mm-hmm. And that's why you need to, you need to support you need to surround yourself with diverse people. Well, and you can't grow if you're not being stretched and mm-hmm. you're not going to be stretched if you just stay at home Yeah, and with, everybody who thinks like you and works like you and lives like you, yeah. you need to see different things. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's great. So c- clearly a, a word that I would use to describe you as servant because you, you're just out there. You're a single guy. You don't have to be doing these things, right? I mean, you could go sit at Buffalo Wild Wings and watch sports and, well, that's the, I mean, that's, a, I have, and that's the other part of community that I, I didn't break up because I was on a, a ramble, but <laughs> is, is that, you know, in, I, this Oklahoma City is the first place, and I've lived a few different places, where I was really diligent about, about community service. When I was in Casper, I was, by virtue of the fact that I was on TV, I was a part of the community, Right. But I, I didn't go and diligently try and say, let me go help out in this area. It was, it was go to work, go to the gym, go home, do this, you know, or, you know, hang out, hang out, watch TV, read, whatever. That was my life, right? I wasn't out there trying to, to serve the community. And, and when I got here in, uh, in Texas, I was able to grow my faith a little bit through through people, my friends in Texas, some wonderful people I met in Texas, through my sister, who, who kind of pushed me towards Jesus. Who I, and I'm, I'm not saying, which helped to grow my desire to help others, mm-hmm. right? right? And I'm not saying that happens for everyone, but for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it happens for everyone. Mm-hmm. It happens for me in that my desire... Uh, you know, as I was pushed toward Jesus, my desire to help people grew. And as I came to, to Oklahoma City and worked for a company like Future Point of View with uh, people like Scott and Annette Klazowski who, who want to help in the community, 
I'm able to see what that is like. And then they are giving me opportunities to help. And they're saying, go do it. Go do it. We want you to go help out in the community. Mm-hmm. Don't just work eight hours a day. Go out and help and serve. Mm-hmm. Um, come to church with me. And, and come up to this church plant. No, I don't want to church. I don't want to plant a church in Guthrie, Oklahoma. It's not something I want to do, right? Yeah. Now you know you're going to come with us and you're going to do this. And and I am richer for it. Yeah, it would be. There are tons of days I would love. I love Buffalo Wild Wings. I love <laughs> Buffalo. It's my it's my favorite place in the world. But it's 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 up there. Yeah. It's, it's in my top twenty five. But it it uh. You know, and and I love sitting at home and watching TV. Mm-hmm. I am I am a naturally lazy person. We you all know, are. I, but but my life is richer mm-hmm. uh, when I when I get an opportunity and when I say yes to that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate the fact that you say yes, and I want to tell you some things that we that Corey wouldn't tell you about himself. When Corey says uh, he serves at church, that me I'm not talking he gets there at 11, 10 minutes before everybody else does or whatever, and makes coffee. Corey's there at 7 a.m. Sometimes I've heard stories that um, the pastor has pulled up and you're asleep in the parking lot because you got there so early nobody was even there to let you in. I, I think there was one time, but well, I like I like how Henny t- tells me that. It every, he, he brings that up every it time. It totally counts. It, it makes me sound good. Corey's there at 7 a.m. setting up chairs, setting up the production thing. And Corey also is a poet. Corey has the, a deep soul. I love, to, I love to talk to Corey about his deep soul. And it is worth delving into. Um, where is your poetry? I know some of it has been out on social media, but where else would somebody find it? There's yeah, some great things about your mom. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I pre- Tracy, you were you know, talking about community. Um, you know, when you're a writer, uh, you know, it, 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 who doesn't have really a platform, um, you rely on your community. It's all you have. You know, I don't... I don't have, you know, uh, you know, Malcolm Gladwell releases a book. You know, he's got he's got a platform, or, or I should say, you know, um, I'm trying to think of, you know, you've got a publisher. Let's say you've got a platform, mm-hmm. but when you're self-publishing, you don't have that platform. Yeah. So, you know, when you people like you go out and like my posts and mm-hmm. and and support me, that's that's really the only feedback I get, and the only the only uh, um, the the only real, um, you know, the. the I, promotion I get mm-hmm. is, is from you all and that's great but mm-hmm. um, yeah I just um, you know I have I've had a blog for five six seven years uh, it's at placidpress.com for those who want to check it out I don't know if I'd advise you going to it <laughs> come on but uh, no it's just a it's personal blog it started from a, a, a self-published book I wrote uh, when I was in Texas and trying to find myself and I, I was the book, the book was a drowned in the Amazon uh, book abyss. Okay, you got to hold up here. Yeah. you wrote a book. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, we, we that that we won't we won't bring up because I yeah I I didn't the book was a, one of those giant projects that I I didn't you know I, I wasn't I I, I I maybe I I denigrate myself more than I should in my writing uh, you know it's easy to do that um, you know especially when it comes to like uh, writing you get so hypercritical. Um, when it comes to creativity, any, mm-hmm. any artist is like that. Mm-hmm. Um, probably you hate your output. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, you know, it was a thriller. There's, there's, it was, it was my attempt at writing a, a, a book. There was, 
you know, some themes in it that I'm, I'm not really, I don't like. There's some character development today that I'm, you know, again, I'm talking about the bad side of it. It also, it, it was a great project that it helped me grow and I actually finished it. I mean, so, finishing a book is an accomplishment yeah, it itself. Is. So it's not a story of your life. You wrote a thriller? Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a soldier and a serial killer. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know but I'm gonna go find. Oh that. Yeah, yeah, you probably can. It's 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 out there. I don't. I I can't remember the last time somebody actually bought a copy. But the that led to to this blog as uh, as a uh, um, just a way to market it. And it, it kind of started. I was just writing. You know, I would write stupid posts about you know the Big Bang Theory or uh, you know uh, the you know. Uh, Breaking Bad, you know, TV, pop culture, music I liked. And then as I grow, it, it kind of grew into, you know, you know, some some personal stories about life, about, you know, my mother's death and dealing with the grief of that and my stepfather's death as well. And just growing up, you know, going through things like breakups and mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, just just life development, maturing, becoming, uh, you know, as I like to call myself a 30 something man child, you know, <laughs> and, and growing up and uh you know, and things like that. And then the poetry was um, a pretty recent development. Um, you know, actually, I was just, one day I was at the gym and uh, a rose grows on barbed wire came to me. It just hit me. It was like mm -hmm. a flash. Hmm. And it became a rose blooms on barbed wire because rose grows was a too weird of a rhyme. Mm -hmm. But I, in, in about, I think in that time at the gym, I had written the entire poem, which was like... In your head? Yeah, your well, I, I mean, I had my phone and I was You're writing it my down. phone. Nice. But it, it, you know, it. I mean, pretty close. Um, it was one of those, like, sometimes you just get lucky as a writer and mm -hmm. you just, things just... A lot of times you, like, you'll just struggle and struggle in front of the typewriter and, or computer. Mm -hmm. uh, and then sometimes it just flows out of you. And that was one of those where it just flew out. And so I've written a few of poems as well. Um, you know, I, sometimes I'll write sparingly. You know, like I don't think I've written, uh, you know, anything in, in a couple of months, but I've been doing writing elsewhere mm -hmm. uh, for other other sources and things like that. But, you know, it's a great outlet and uh, for, for creativity when when things strike me, I, I can put it out there. So all your poetry is on your blog? Yeah. Okay. And so if you're out there and you need somebody to help you put some words to some things, Corey could be your guy to do that. Um, I know he's helped some pastors before and helped writing some sermons and writing some different series. And you're just, you're good with words. Thank you. You Thank are. You, you're good with words. Yeah. So this inadvertently turned into a dating profile. So all you <laughs> single ladies out there. There we go. We've got a single guy, and I like on your podcast you said something about uh, having a great head of hair. Uh, you can't see Corey, his picture will be on there, but he does have a great head of hair. So there you go. Dating profile, single guy, loves to serve. I, I didn't win all the battles, but the hair battle. The hair battle. Yeah, you, there yeah. you go. You got that yeah. one. <laughs> I'm, hang, I'm hanging on to it. No, it, it looks great. So what would be your 30-second shout-out, motivational statement, call to action? I mean, you've given several yeah. about getting out there. but You know what I was thinking? I, I, I would say that, uh, you know, I would just say get out there. Um, that would be my shout-out It's just get out there and, and find an organization you're passionate about and give something to it. You know, a lot of people, they can't give uh, time. So organizations need treasure. So, so give treasure. And a lot of people like me – you know, it can be difficult at times, you know, as a, um, you know, if you, you, you can either give sometimes, some people give time, some people can give treasure. Um, I, I'm blessed in that I can give time. So I give time. And so if you can't give treasure, 
uh, give time. Mm-hmm. You know, people, organizations need help in many different avenues. Um, in nonprofits, they need, they just need people who are with a heart to serve and who are willing to show up, mm-hmm. right? Who are willing to show up and not give up, yeah. right? Or just show up and go, oh, it gets hard. Mm-hmm. And, then I, and when it gets hard, let's leave. Mm-hmm. So, and then if you can't give your time or your treasure, prayer, mm. pray. Prayer is, we, we often, it gets diluted, right? You know, because so many times when something bad happens, uh, we say, I, you know, my thoughts and prayers are with, with you or with the victims or with this. So in many ways, we, it's become so jaded. Mm-hmm. But prayer is just, is so powerful. When it is meaningful, when it is genuine, and when it is heartfelt, and when you meet your needs and you can pray, mm-hmm. it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, I love that. I love that. We made possible by, we tell people when you are trying to find a cause, especially younger people, what do I want to stand for? What do I want to do? Look for something that your community needs, or look for something that makes you smile when you see it happening, or something that makes you hacked off when it's happening. Those, you know, those are three great things to think about if you're sitting out there listening to this going, what, what do I want to do? What do that, I want to change? That's great. And, and, you know, like we've talked about in the pot, you know, I mean, get off the phone, you know, get, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, if it makes you hacked off, you're not going to change anybody's mind on social media. Mm-hmm. So go, there is probably an organization in your community, wherever that is, mm-hmm. that deals with that issue. Mm-hmm. So go and serve go because that's it. where you're going to make a difference. Yeah. You're not going to make a difference mm-hmm. on social media. So you just heard it. A technologist told you to get off your phone. So if if Corey, who's the expert and people around the world, bring him in either Zoom or live to talk to you about technology, he says you don't need to spend as much time on your phone. You just don't. Yeah. Go hang out, out on Walden Pond. Yeah. No, go find a pond. Go find a pond. There go you go. There you go. Not on social media. We're connecting across the dinner table. That was my favorite line, Corey, from you today. Um, clearly, you're a passionate person, um, and how you said that your community, who you hang with, provides your opportunities, and your life was just a picture of that. And I love how um, Perry was dropped into your world, and you didn't just see him as an opportunity to write a great story. You saw him as a person, and you guys are friends, and you hang together. So it wasn't, what can I gain from this? It was wow, being a part of this person's life has changed my life. Yeah, and I've gained more because of it, mm-hmm. because I saw it that way. If I had seen him as an opportunity, I wouldn't have gained that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I, and Perry, Perry made me see him as a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, I was Perry, you know, I mean, not, he didn't force me to see him as a friend, but you know, he, his force of nature. Yeah. He's force, a friendly guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and he is, he is, he has grown me in, in, in ways that um, are unbelievable. Because he has had different experiences he doesn't look like you and that's awesome well it all comes back to the servant heart and clearly you have that so thank you Corey. i appreciate you well, taking the time to be with well, us today thank you for coming from one servant to another i think um, that or, yeah i i appreciate that I so it means a lot coming from you well thank you thank you again for joining us for another conversation around good uh, again this is tracy zerden at made possible by we love sharing stories of good we love hearing about communities and individuals and businesses who are making a difference in their community. So join us next Friday and we'll have another good story for you. Thanks. Thank you for listening in on another conversation around good. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button so we can continue to provide you conversations that are inspirational. 
The businesses we serve love to give back to their communities with their time, product, and cash. And this is so rewarding for them, but it's not easy. Go to madepossibleby.us to see how we do it.